I am David Cameo, and we are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. Rachel and I were invited by Lizzie and Kim from Brains Gone Bad and joined by Steve from Aim for the Head podcast. The main focus of the conversation was discussing The Walking Dead World Beyond's first season. Links to the full almost three-hour conversation are in the episode description. First off, we highly recommend listening to Brains Gone Bad and Aim for the Head podcast. Links to their podcasts are also in the episode description. Second, as you may or may not already know, our podcast has always been about the value we derive from breaking down the Walking Dead universe, which means that it's not often that we seriously criticize the episodes we break down. We definitely poke fun at some things because, again, sometimes we make you laugh. Keeping all of that in mind, the episode that we bring you today is a three-hour conversation broken down a lot like a Squawking Dead episode. Basically, the conversations that we, as hosts, derive value from, with some narration by me, David Cameo, along the way. I sincerely hope you enjoy this breakdown and encourage you to listen to the entire conversation in full. And without further ado... How in the hell has Rick Grimes not been able to take down the CRM? That's Kim from Brains Gone Bad. (laughs) Oh, we well, don't we know. Maybe he has. Well, he couldn't even beat Negan, so. Yeah. <laughs> so I know. Isn't that the thing? Here. I mean, wait, wait a minute. Didn't he beat Negan though? Lizzie from Brains Gone Bad. I think you. Yeah. I think you should beat Negan. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Rick sliced his throat. Oh yeah, it was a cheap. Put move. him in jail. Yeah. <laughs> and then remember, saved his life. Yeah. yeah. You, have to, you have to remember though that Rick doesn't have any shoes, so how can he do anything in the CRM? Steve from Aim for the Head podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another question. Why did he give up his boots? Right. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It was it was the phone and the boots. It was like a package deal. He had to go with both. Yeah. 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 You think they gave him new boots when he joined office. the military? Right. There exactly. Or he's on one of those racks with Dr. Abbott and he doesn't need anything but a loincloth. Dun, 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 dun. Or he has like those Velcro, um, those Velcro sneakers, you know, from New Balance. So that's, okay. I like you know, those. Maybe the ones that If you ever saw him in those, wouldn't you just die? I'd oh. be like, oh my God. I could totally see it too. No, don't yeah. even see it. That's it's like the, It's the level that, he, that Andrew Lincoln himself has gone to. Like, oh no, the character has yeah. Velcro sneakers. I want to throw out some theories about why maybe Rick hasn't been able to do anything and separated from his family and friends threats they say if he if he tries to contact them they're just going to drop a bomb on him or something like that what we say about the CRM in general is that if if they if you see them or they see you you are already dead yeah you know it's it's just kind of like a not no losing bet no winning battle yeah Another thing is his memory impaired. That was a pretty serious injury. Maybe he had some blood loss and and doesn't quite re- remember. And the memory's coming back, and that's how the sketch came about on his phone. I, one of my ongoing theories is Iris is the sketch artist that that she was also folded into this group and ended up in uh, a work camp like Barca uh, and Rick. Obviously, they were in some kind of labor position uh or maybe it was something higher up but um so those are my main ongoing theories for for rick and we've we've already been told by gimple that we're not going to see rick in the series and more beyond Mm -hmm. so they wanted to get that out there because we would be going crazy waiting for rick to show up and uh and was it rachel was that you or dave that was talking about looking at the crowd of the this 
possible resistance group <laughs> and Rick and every one of their faces. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was me. At one point, I thought they were they all could be Rick. And then the very next moment, they looked like just, you know, forest people. <laughs> Regular shaggy guys. A couple of wasn't background actors guys, we know. <laughs> wasn't it you guys that proffered that it could be the people that um, Huck brought mm -hmm. out, you know, out yeah. from the army that, they, that she saved? That's funny because it was a post-production note that like – it suddenly hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, who are these people? What, where could they have been from? Why would Huck know who they are and where they are? And then like, after the, after we wrapped on recording and I was doing the editing and I was just like, oh, okay. So these yeah. are the people that Huck saved uh, back from the beginning uh, in her flashback because um, was it Cameron Bonamalo from comicbook.com had posited that Huck, uh, Huck's backstory just doesn't exist. And it was such a strong theory and people were really going on for it, uh, got on with it. And I was kind of like, and I had to fight it because <laughs> it on the on the one hand it doesn't make sense that only we know her backstory because she has not told anybody uh, on the other hand it just seems kind of weird that you know they would show us and then and then it suddenly occurred to me like first of all how does she know that there's help five miles up you know for felix and uh, and iris yeah and so putting those two things together i was like oh it is middleton new york uh because the garnett medical center is a real place in middleton new york um which is around where they were uh training or the whatever the uh, the marines or, were, okay. were based yeah right Right. So it just put two and two together and finally I figured it out. And it was kind of like, oh, then it has to be real. It has to be. And now there's a purpose to all these people. At any rate, I think you guys are spot on with that. I think that's how she knew because she led them to some place. And maybe that's part of, you know, her screw up that her mom is talking about. But that happened 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. I know, so. but it, it, it doesn't mean that it, that the screw up didn't just happen, but it could be part of the screw up yeah. or it could be something that she's kept for herself or something i don't know but I, yeah, the, I, that's the, it yeah the screw up thing i'm still kind of we're still kind of working out like i think we don't have enough to really go on at like what it was that she screwed up with the crm this is what you're talking about right yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not 100% sold on one way or the other. Like in terms of, oh, was it the was it screwing up with the USMC? Was it screwing up uh, just before leaving for Omaha? I'm not. I'm not yeah. really sure. Yeah, because it's it's that span of time, like you said, Kim. Yeah. yeah. Lizzie calls on me first to discuss the first point in our roundtable discussion. I kind of steer in the direction of. What characters and what scenes hit you out of nowhere emotionally? The characters themselves seems seem to have touched uh, each each viewer in, uh, differently. Like everybody has seems to have their favorite character, but also uh, in terms of scenes themselves, uh, sometimes the scenes that scenes themselves hit people differently throughout the series too. And we found this out like when we were talking about it uh, throughout the series. It's kind of like, oh yeah, this scene. Like for for instance, okay, the the because uh, this is one I, what I really really wanted to talk about was in uh, Shadow Puppets. I, I really liked that opener, that that um, shadow puppet opener. And I was kind of like sitting up in my seat and going, oh, is this the new opening? Is this the the, the one that's going to be the one throughout the, the entire series? Because I didn't know it was coming. And then, you know, I sit down and I realize, okay, oh, I guess this is because it's called Shadow Puppets. I guess that's why it's like this. And then, but we get to the end and they do, they do the whole show over again, like the origin of the shadow puppet um, intro, right? Yeah. And I kind of like that they didn't have Iris's voice. Oh Rachel, will fight, Rachel will fight me on this 
this one, but she said oh, she would have preferred the uh, Iris chime in again uh, with the opener. I actually like that there wasn't any because by yes. the end of the episode, you're so empty. There's like this sense of just morose sadness. And all of a sudden I'm watching this and I'm seeing the reactions from each of the characters. And all I find myself starting to get like really emotional about it because it's like watching this world, like everybody's at their lowest point, you know, realizing where they're at. Like, oh, we've, we've just been fooled. We've been tricked. We've been put through the ringer. This is what the world's like. This is what people are like in this world. And then all of a sudden, these people, these very people that fooled them are showing them their point of view via art. And it really hit me hard. Like, especially when the flower came out, like, you know, the flat, the shadow flower, yeah. you know, the beauty within the, like the tiger and the lamb, like it's the beauty that's within the terror, that kind of thing. And it really hit me hard. And I, I kind of liked that there wasn't any voiceover because we had that. And so yeah. <laughs> just watching and being there, like watching it with them in a way, with the characters, like really, really brought that out. But, you know, so in the in the context of this conversation, I was wondering if any of you guys had a particular moment throughout the series that hit you where you didn't really expect it. Um, just gut punches over disappointment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. I... I, before, I just want to ask one question um, based on those shadow puppets. I fe- I don't know if I'm missing the eloquence of it or what. Um, why was it shown twice? Wouldn't it have been better to not have Iris talk about it at all, like talk over it at the beginning at all, and just have them see it later in the episode I think it would have been more impactful I enjoyed seeing it a second time especially without the commentary but I just didn't get the point of seeing it twice Uh, I like agree yeah well I liked the not I liked it without the commentary uh, because (laughs) because that's what art does art makes you imprint your own commentary on it and look at it and how it affects you and, and that's what I thought Iris was doing in the beginning. That was how she viewed it. But you could see their faces as it was unfolding. And they, they not only experienced the loss, they didn't get to spend very much time at all in the other world, the world that we know now. Right. That, that scene, too, is my favorite in the whole season. Oh, wow. It doesn't. <laughs> it's the shadow puppets. It's not even the characters, Kim. <laughs> Well, it was the whole. It was the whole package. The reaction. See, see, I really, I really wanted that scene to affect me the way that it did you, Dave. I wanted to be emotional about it, but when I heard we heard Iris in the beginning giving the commentary over the pup, shadow puppets, and then when we see it later, I wanted to be drawn in, but all I could focus on was what did Iris say before? I can't remember <laughs> what she said, and so then I'm just sitting through this whole scene trying to remember what was said already. Right. <laughs> and I because, missed it. I missed the whole thing. And this is mostly attributed to our pedantic name. <laughs> note-taking nature so uh, like, yes we're, we're, and so <laughs> if this is something we talked about also we we had to talk about at some point because just to keep everybody in within the context of our times right now like when we were watching this we we're watching two episodes a week and we had to cover two episodes a week so our brains started going into this mode where every time we started watching for pleasure <laughs> our minds were already jumping to note-taking yep. oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when i watched the shadow puppets this the, the first time i liked the opening i thought that was a really impressive opening opening just because it was so different. But when I saw it the second time and I now had context as to what it was and the fact that uh, Tony and uh, the grifter kid were, were, that's what they did. My only 
only thought was, okay, so this is your show that you perform for people for like food and you're basically pointing out that the world has died and everyone's <laughs> going to be killed and horribly destroyed. Thank is you. That, is that Thank a good you. marketing plan? I, I just, I'm like, really? But, you know, I, and I don't know if, I, if I'm going to be I, listening to, uh, to Lizzie there. I, I think she might be on my side, but I really didn't like this show. As so, a whole, yeah. Yeah, so I was very disappointed with this show. And so that decision kind of just fit right in with a lot of other decisions that they made. So I kind of just went, yeah, okay. So yeah. I said the same thing. I said, how depressing. They are going around trying to raise money, depressing people. Yeah. yeah good luck. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, like it was great artistry. And back in the day, like before the pandemic, I think, you know, we might have found anything about a pandemic interesting and, you know, full of wonderment. I wonder what we would do. But now in the pandemic, I think I like it more for the context of it. So, you know, as a, as an opener and as kind of like, it, because I don't know, maybe it's just me because I was kind of like fooled. I, was, I felt kind of fooled like, oh, this is how the show's going to open from here on in. <laughs> Who knows? I, I kind of liked the idea of the story, um, just recapping the story from a particular point of view, and then having that whole entire shtick, the whole entire Shadow Puppets routine means something else by the end of it. Like, like seeing the same movie twice, but then because you went through something, it means something else. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like why I liked it, which is, and I especially liked it at the end where it wasn't with Iris, because we already know what it means. We already know what the shtick represents, but it means something so much different by the end of the episode because of what these kids have gone through, having this breaking point, feeling, you know, robbed, you know, of, of what they were led to believe this would be or people would be like. And so that that's kind of why I liked it. And to kind of answer the question about like, why would I want to see something about like I definitely don't want to see anything about the coronavirus but like <laughs> but why would I want to see something that I'm wrapped up in I think it's about connection like being able to touch the thing that we're all going through but then showing you from a particular point of view uh, the point of view of the minstrels let's say like the uh, the people putting on the show and I think specifically for Tony and Percy it was their way of saying hey we get it let me show you what we how we see the world and I think that really um, I obviously doesn't absolve them of everything but it's kind of like we're just like you and here's yeah. why and so that that's kind of why i like that and yeah you know how they were getting through and it yeah exactly it, uh you know singing for their supper with those little tricks that they had um, yeah <laughs> yeah i i really did enjoy it and i was so glad to to get a second look at it when it came back around rachel goes next in our roundtable discussion and decides to talk about her little explorer elton i would like to talk about out, my little explorer Elton. Um, <laughs> so cute. Whom she I, just painted, by the way. I, I did. I did. I, I had to show my appreciation. Um, I just, I think Elton is a really kind of special character. He's different. And to be totally honest, I'm a little worried for his future. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Elton is not, you know, he's not our leader. He's not a genius. He's not a monster or a protector or a spy. He's, he doesn't fit into any of these specific roles that the other uh, cast members have or the other, you know, uh, characters have. I was just going to say, Rachel, I don't think you have anything to worry about uh, in terms of uh, Elton because the showrunners for this show, as well as the showrunners for Fear, have shown zero balls when it comes to killing anyone. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I mean, both, both, 
both of the both of these shows, there was never any moments at all this season where I had. And, and don't be wrong, Fear the season was much better than last year. Last year was yeah. essentially unwatchable. This yes. year was much better. <laughs> but there was never a moment in either of these two seasons for either show where I was like actually concerned one of the main cast members was actually going to die, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which I think both of these shows have missed the boat on. That was what we loved about the main show and what we hated about the main show was that unless your name was Rick Grimes or Michonne or Daryl Dixon, you could die at any minute. You get no an plot armor. eye like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they and they have so many amazing characters that will break your heart if they right. die. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like my thought on this show, if I was the showrunners, what I would have done if if the setup is okay, it's going to be the four kids making the trip across the country uh, and you know discovering you know what's out there. I would have set it up in the first episode, and there would have been five kids. Yeah. The fifth kid would mm-hmm. be this really great, charismatic, athletic guy or gal that you think, wow, that's the the hero of the show and then by episode three <laughs> that guy or gal gets you know the rest of them are in a revolving door watching them get torn to shreds exactly and that's like the sobering up moment for all these little children that hey you know what you're out in the world now and you're not behind the walls and you gotta fend for yourself and if you're not careful you're gonna die what's funny about what steve says is that i wanted to make two points one the walking dead as helmed by frank darabont you had both the deaths of a young person, Sophia, and also the teddy bear walker right from the beginning scene with Rick coming out into the world as it is. So it's interesting to note how at some point the Walking Dead universe has shied away from showing us the bodies of dead children or baby or children walkers. And the second point was how Utopia actually did this sort of thing where they took the main protagonists and chose the one that was the most well-adjusted, beautiful, smart of the group and murks them right from the beginning. This is one of the things that actually jarred me to my core when I was watching Utopia and almost made me not want to watch it anymore. However, I stayed with it and found I actually really, really liked the show. So after a couple of minutes talking about how much everybody hates Iris and or maybe Aaliyah Royale, I decide to... This kind of makes me want to go back to Elton in a ways because the first, the very first thing was like, oh, you know, we feel like he's going to be, you know, cadaver chum, as Ginny would put it. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but like in looking at each and every person, except for maybe Silas, I mean, they all in some way are cadaver chum. They're, they each have their own sets of weaknesses, whether it's physical strength or mental strength or, you know, what have you, Um, you know, maybe aside from even like hope, but this is something we say often on the show, like how we're, you know, we all think we're going to be Daryl Dixon. Dixons, but we're all kind of technically Eugenes, you know. Yeah. Right. And then we and then we found out, like we were recently talking about this on our retrospective, how like, well, maybe we're actually Marthas. Yeah. If you really we're think about this. it, because that's what we would do. We all think we're hot shit, and then <laughs> all of a sudden we're not. But um, but moving back to the kids, it's kind of like when I think when I really really think about it, the kind of chance that they stand, I consider them a, a step ahead of us, like a couple steps ahead of us in terms of what they know about the universe and what they'll what they're familiar with like we're watching it through a screen but they're there in real real life having all this training like you know knowing all this stuff about the apocalypse the ins and outs you know what to expect you know how to survive out and out in the wild you know not everybody else gets like you know wilderness training and all that stuff um so i 
you know, so I'm giving them a little bit of credit in terms of like, okay, the survivability rate of these characters may be a little higher than what we should attribute them to. But I think overall, though, uh, they're supposed to be vulnerable. I mean, that's kind of how I view them. And I, I think it's a miracle that any character on the Walking Dead universe in the first place can survive, personally. Yeah. Just just yeah. thinking about it objectively. So, But I just have to strongly disagree with you as far as them being prepared to go out there. I mean, we've watched Iris again and again and even as late as the finale, um, Hope instead of going right at the heads with those spears, they're pushing them away constantly and I can understand if you're feeling like there's an onslaught, there's too many of them, try to get them away from you like knock one into the other like bowling pins, but considering that they had spent 10 years trying to survive in this um, world and um, I mean, Elton gets out of a box and walks through the melee at a, as a five-year-old, you know, and manages to find safety. It To me, it just seems like they should have been better fighters and better prepared. And I can understand if as time went on, they got a little soft and maybe couldn't start a fire with a stick and some straw or something like that because they'd gotten a little too comfortable. But we look at our guys over in the original show and they're almost at that 10-year mark and they're still roughing it even even when they are in alexandria with their solar panels like they can still go out and live in the woods like they're true fighters and i and i don't know if it's because they're basing it on being academics at a college campus and that's why they're soft but they just don't seem like the fighters that they should be to me campus colony reminded me a lot of the first time we met uh pretty much everyone in alexandria they had no clue what was yes. going on outside those walls either yes yeah but it was still like comparatively it was still early on it was only a, a couple of years mm-hmm. and yeah. they'd had those their problems since they'd had to banish people so we knew that they'd had some issues um and somehow yet they still managed to get those walls up and protect themselves but i think i think that's what i liked about it though is even with all this front-loaded knowledge like going out there in the world isn't what you what what you're meant to expect you think it's going to be one way but it challenges you in a completely different way and, and it, that's, it that's turns true. out to be true yeah. yeah, and I think subverting that expectation of them being capable was actually a, a kind of a good cheat. Like, I found that, that it was kind of cool that they were proficient in some ways, but deficient heavily in other ways. Like, how do how do you find them proficient? I think well, and this is this is the funny thing we we actually wrote off. Like, okay, when. When Hope is taking apart the um, that siren at the at the BOG, right. um, yeah. we're like, oh yeah, she's of course she's an engineer. She probably reads a bunch of books about taking apart sirens, and we're just like, okay, that's campus colony nonsense. I'll yeah. leave it there. I'll hey. allow it. Look, she's then, a genius. And then we find out later at the end we shouldn't have written it off. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, The Walking Dead is a show. The universe has proven that children in this show universe can fix anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plane that crashed, we can glue it back together and it'll fly. Sure. You know, oh. Yeah. Yeah. God, I forgot about that. Of course they can fix you a siren. Come on, that's yeah. Yeah. It's it's easy peasy, right? Child's Japanese. play. They, they <laughs> built a raft out of like a pier piece and some barrels, you know, with a, and they made an air conditioner into a, s- a steam engine. I mean, these kids can do anything, okay? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think maybe she, like, uh, Hope could do some of that stuff because yeah. well, she well, even Iris, we find brewing. out. Brewing. Too. Yeah. Like, she's brewing and she's probably had to take pieces that were 
meant for something else and made them, you know, to, to work for her so that she could brew. So I think she might be a little inclined to, to be an engineer and, and take things apart. But I mean, there's still her taking apart the computer. At, you know, we see her at a young age. She takes the computer apart and nearly gets it back together and working. And Iris comes in at the last minute and helps her out. But I think Pope may be one of those people that can do those things just right. naturally. And this is the point I kind of wanted to drive home. They're proficient in so many ways. They're built for this. And yet nobody's built for this. And that's why I liked so much the times when they couldn't kill walkers or the times they did falter. Now, Steve goes next and he brings up an important safety tip that you should keep in mind whether you're in an apocalypse or not. The one thing that ran throughout this whole season that just drove me absolutely freaking bananas was this is 10 years into the apocalypse and yet these people are finding canned foods out in the world and like, we can eat this. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, at the bog, if they ate that lasagna, that the Chef Boyardee lasagna, they either all would have died of botulism or they would have been unable to move because they would have been so sick. Uh, and, and I mean, canned goods have a shelf life of, of like 18 months, maybe. maybe. <gasps> oh my God, really? Really? Yeah, go, go definitely look at it. eating things more than 18 months old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, you know, definitely. Go, go look at it. If you've got a can in, you know, in your in your pantry, go look and see what the date is. I bet it's about 12 to 16 months from today. You know, Is it a sell-by? Or Best Buy, though. It's, it's, it's a used buy, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's my God. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, I mean, you know, they're eating that. And then Hope finds, or I hope uh, um, Huck finds the Mountain Dew that's been sitting that's there for 10 years. That still the carbonation. Yeah. yeah. And, no. and he's, well, we found out that that is actually possible, though. With plastic? Uh, no, yeah. No, no. Mm-hmm. I, I've had soda pop go flat on me, you know, after a month. Before, diet, you know. diet will definitely do that. And... It'll actually separate, but we find out that anything with with actual sugar will that'll actually stay. It'll actually keep. I was surprised too when I when we fa- we found out after we wrapped uh, recording on that too. So I was upset about that. I don't know. I but I'm like, gonna beg to differ just because I I am a pe- a recovering Pepsi holic. <laughs> I, I love Pepsi from, too. Oh God! Oh my split apart. Let's run away together and drink. <laughs> um. At any rate, um. I had to switch from the plastic bottles to the cans simply because the carbonation was leaking through the porous plastic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those new bottles, right? Basically. Um, I think it was With like 50% ago. less pr- plastic and all that. <laughs> no, no. It, it was a while ago because oh. I've been off the sauce for over a year now. <laughs> the sugary sauce. Yeah, I think right. it's going on two years. Wow. Maybe. Whoa. Um, and, you know, I do have the occasional, you know, that sweet dark mana just like. <laughs> and it's such a treat too. Like I treat it. Oh, I rarely yeah. have soda. So it's kind of like when I get to have it, it's like, ooh, yeah, it's treat like, myself Mama's right today. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the rare circumstance, under the right circumstances, it could still have the carbonation. But I just, for this, I think that was just too much to ask for. Well, you know, keep in mind, too, that while that was going on, of course, fear is running at the same time. And there is the, the episode with Dwight and Al when they search the funeral home and they find beer. Yeah. And they open it up and drink it. And they're like, oh, my God, it's undrinkable because it's gone bad. So they <laughs> yeah. at least acknowledge that it happens. And yet, 
the other show. Nah, it's fine. You know, they go to that high school, right? And they find the bomb shelter and it's got like 12 year old cans of sardines. And they're like, oh yeah, let's eat that. I'm just like, you guys are so dead. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, we're we're going to the cans in our homes. If we could rub off the the rust, we're okay. We'll still eat it. (laughs) I've got a case of survival food in our pantry. Does anybody else have survival food? It lasts 25 years. Right. No. It's like MREs and stuff. That 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 will. But I'm just talking about like just a can of you know lasagna. Yeah, that stuff is not designed to last forever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I got a ton of spaghettios for the pandemic. I was out shopping about a week and a half before everyone else started shopping. So I was like buying spaghettios because I was like what do i really want to eat that's going to keep me happy (laughs) (laughs) not fed happy (laughs) just happy you know um and i went for the spaghettio so gosh now i'm going to be eating a lot of those (laughs) but you You know know what 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 did they call them in the walking dead something spaghetti um, circles was that what they called them oh it was on the same cans too like you remember the cans they found in the pantry in the fallout shelter yes Yes, that me. that was a callback. That was mm-hmm. that was in The Walking Dead. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Um, yeah. But you know, you were talking about cans, and it was so funny how, like, in the episode, I think it was uh, Rage. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh no, maybe it's <laughs> the wrong end of a telescope where we get that CRM. No, it's the Tiger and the Lamb where we get that end scene with Barca and uh, what was her name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Elizabeth Kublik, right? <laughs> the beautiful kitchen. Yeah. yeah yes. And and what we yeah. got from that one scene gave us so much to the point where um, we were finding out how canned foods were all the rage back in world between World War One and World War Two. so much so that it actually completely changed the way we actually sold food in the country. Like we were encouraged to can our goods because it would keep longer and we could ship it to other countries. And so what was really great, the, the takeaway from that in relation to this discussion is kind of like, well, we just canned everything mm-hmm. without regard of like how it would, how it would keep and how long it would keep. <laughs> right. Like, and so, yeah, and so this country, like, so when it comes to Chef Boyardee, like, should we still be eating Chef Boyardee out of a can? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, why not one of those, you know how we... Like, even, I was, like, so, like, heartened when, and this is the stupidest hill to die on, but, like, um, when they started selling tuna fish in those plastic packets, like, yeah. in, in water, and I was, like, finally, because yeah. I was always creeped out by the by getting tuna from a can, and oh, then, like... you know why? Because the tuna juice gets on your fingers, and then you feel, like, <laughs> even if you wash your hands, you still smell the tuna juice. Right. <laughs> and maybe it's the tuna juice with the can that kind of skews, like, it's, it's kind of like yeah. a, a fork on tinfoil. It's that yeah. idea, like, you, yeah. you can already taste it now that I've mentioned it. Yeah, 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 right, right. yeah. So like we haven't punches, you don't have all that water. Yeah. Doesn't get and the cat isn't as happy, but really, when are they? <laughs> <laughs> and going back to Chef Boyardee, it would have made you happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No spaghettios. It's gotta be spaghettios. Chef right. Boyardee. Oh right, you're right. Sorry. So I don't like it. <laughs> oh, it's a Franco American girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know Steve and Aim for the Head podcast, and they do have these criticisms of the shows and sometimes it goes on and on but i took a big swing here and i decided to maybe this is a good question steve were there some things that you actually kind of dug was it all the crm stuff i'm gonna guess or uh the the, the things i I liked about the show i liked throughout the whole 10 episodes we saw new ghouls yeah uh like the the hornet ghoul interesting right yeah cool the the flashlight ghoul uh when hope or i yeah um hope sticks her you know hits hits (laughs) the flashlight and it's in the neck and i'm like wow it has a headlight you know (laughs) 
and and you know we see the ghouls and they're like you know stuff's growing out of them right or they're you know stuck in 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 something and they've just kind of become part of it i i like that i thought that was really interesting uh and i think fear did the same thing this year that we saw just lots of new versions of ghouls that we hadn't really seen before oh boy um and the other thing that i really liked about this show that i i just wish that the main show would do was flashbacks yeah Uh, oh i loved seeing like like my favorite episode was uh, truth or dare and the only reason <laughs> i like that episode is because of all the huck marine stuff yes um she and saved part, that episode she did and and i i loved it but it was a real bittersweet love for me because when they first announced fear six or seven years ago the press release and you can go look it up the way they the, they described what fear was going to be about it was going to be uh the zombie uh, uh, apocalypse from the beginning yeah and that's what i wanted to see was all the stuff that happened in that episode with Huck in the flashback. That's what I wanted to see. That's yeah. what I thought fear was going to be. And fear was like that for like three episodes. And yeah. then suddenly it was, they should have changed the title to The Walking Dead again. Because yeah. it was basically <laughs> the same setup. You know? They skipped six weeks. They just jumped six oh, weeks. Oh, nine days. Nine days. Oh, nine days? Nine days. Happened yeah. fast. Yeah. yeah. It felt like six weeks. Yeah. Right. So, Rage, we were just talking about this too, Rage. I think that yep. was you that said that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had the yeah. same opinion Steve did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And and I'm and I've loved that every episode has had someone's little backstory. Yeah, yeah. About yeah. how they encountered the whole thing, you know. And um, I I have felt that it's been super informative for us as the viewers because you know I've thought for years what would I do during a pandemic, you know, like mm. what would you know would I survive? Like I expected it to be far worse like this than this. I expected it to be more like the stand, but. You know, <laughs> ahead of us but um you know to see how these people react um to the whole thing like even just um hope killing um elton's mom and i don't even think that she really did it on purpose i think it was all you know just really relax yeah yeah from the first episode we surmised that yeah Yeah. um but i've enjoyed all of that and i don't want that to stop and i'm afraid that it will stop like you know they'll just keep they'll they've dangled it we've got and all we're going to get and then it's going to go away. Well, actually going back to what Steve said initially was that uh, how the press release for Fear was supposed to be, the press release for this, and it's something that we have to keep in the back of our minds for The Walking Dead World Beyond, is they build it as two sisters, two halves of a whole that eventually separate and go at each other in a a sense. Of course, these are my words, not theirs. The official synopsis states, the third installment of the franchise will feature two young female protagonists and focus on the first generation to come of age in the apocalypse as we know it. Some will become heroes, some will become villains. In the end, all of them will be changed forever, grown up and cemented in their identities, both good and bad. But the idea is that, you know, one light, one dark, you know, and then they'll eventually have to confront each other. Mm-hmm. And I, and it's, it is something that you have to keep in the back of your mind because I, I feel like, you know, when is this going to happen? Like there were so many times throughout the season where I thought, oh, is this the day that it happens? Is this, okay, is this where we see the split? You know, yeah. is this going to be a very slow thing? Are they going to do this in the first season? Are we, are we going to have to wait till next season? But then, like, I kind of have to take a, a step back, kind of like when it came to fear, it ended up not being exactly like that. So I, I, yeah. I often wonder if they're going to go through that process or, or give us exactly what they promised us from, like, two years ago. I think during a San Diego Comic-Con. Because like with fear, I thought we were going to be in a school the whole time with um, school counselors. And I was like, this is going to blow chunks. I don't want to see this. 
You know, it just, it wasn't, it didn't sound compelling to me. And it makes me wonder, you know, when we get to the end with, you know, Iris and Felix and Hope and Huck, I just kind of felt that they are not split apart. I don't feel like I never even got the feeling that they would be opposing one another. I just feel like somehow they will end up working together um, to take down the CRM. Like somehow, I, 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 I don't know. I almost wonder if uh, once Hope gets there, if they will give her this song and dance and convince her that what they're doing is is righteous and and for the for good. What the she, greater good. Yeah, exactly. What if they can convince Hope that her contribution will save the world? Could they could they persuade her and change her mind? And what would they show her to do that? Mm-hmm. Right. And what would that yeah. mean for her relationship with Iris? Yeah. Lizzie now brings up her topic of discussion for the roundtable. Pacing. We all knew that by the time the show aired that they had settled on two two seasons. And so 20 episodes to get this story told. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it takes four episodes before they encounter others, you know, when we meet Percy and Tony. And I'm like, why wouldn't there be people that didn't want to be part of the campus colony just kind of living out on their own or, right. you know, just renegades traversing the country like Percy and Tony were doing. Why did it take four episodes for them to come across anybody? It just didn't make any sense. One of the reasons why we wanted to watch the show was to find out about the CRM, right? We're good. This exactly. is the Rick Grimes stuff. And I think it's a little bit disingenuous of them that m- almost all of the CRM stuff we got were like after the credit scenes. Yeah. Almost yeah. like saying, hey, you know what? We're going to trick you into watching this crappy episode <laughs> just because you know at the very end there's going to be 30 seconds of you know lila in the in the the laboratory with the uh you know all the all the ghouls and that whatever there that's going on with that you know what i mean and it's like really why couldn't we have had a little bit more of that actually in the episodes you know that as we're watching them we know you're waiting for talking dead but how about some nosferatu or into the badlands beforehand so anyway, after bashing Scott Gimple for about seven minutes, I decided to finally speak up. So to counterpoint on that, though, I, I, I found that like, okay, it's it's almost like you have to kind of break these things down to two points. One, obviously the pacing is going to be slow. You're talking about an insular series in a limited release, at least at first. And so I, I can agree that, you know, maybe we could have sped it up a little bit, at least closer to the end. As much as we want to see the CRM stuff, obviously, because we came aboard because we watched The Walking Dead. We love it. We want to see more of the TWD universe in relation to it. Um, I do respect the decision to um, stand firm on giving these characters their due in terms of their own insular story told in their own way and not at all even like, I mean, because I'm even like thinking back, I mean, the way they even filmed this from the, the, you know, the walkers themselves or the empties, let's call them, um, the way that they are in this universe is that they're more entrenched into the landscape, you know, and And the whole idea of deadly things being beautiful, how that resonates throughout every episode. And so in a sense, I'm not saying it's all our art house or anything like that, but now whether you're not whether or not you like the vision uh, is a whole other story. But I do I do kind of like that they stand firm about, you know, this is its own story, but there are tie-ins, but you know, but it is connected to a greater universe. And I kinda like the story. You know, and I and I and I find it interesting that like I think most people are very um, tacit about this series because I think I think in some ways it's a it's a weird feeling to kind of be on the precipice of knowing that the Walking Dead main show is going to end and yet we're so 
almost impatient when it comes to the content because we want it now, but the sooner that we get that content, the sooner it's going to be over. So in a way, I'm okay, A, with the pacing, but in, and B, with them giving them license to tell their own story in their own way because it's kind of like, well, I mean, you could view it as filler, but I, I want to view it a different way, but it prolongs the inevitable uh, inevitable in a way but it also gives me something kind of munch on you know like a carrot stick (laughs) in the meantime so that you know to kind of slow things down and like get bits and bits here in the greater universe while trying to listen to another story Mm -hmm. so i'm okay with that especially (laughs) given this like two month run of two episodes a week you know, which is a lot, you know, yeah. to tell a slow story. Yeah. So in a way, I, that's kind of genius, too, by the way, you know, tell yeah. a slow story with all this show. I, I agree. I mean, the pacing was definitely slow. Um, I mean, I f- also feel like it was by design, though. I, I think in the next season, we're going to see these characters yeah. do things uh, that maybe we maybe at first would have thought was out of character. But having watched the first season, watching these kids um, experience the environment the way that they do, how they react, I, I think they're character building. And so in the next season, when we see these characters do certain things, it's going to make sense to us. I sure hope so. At this point, Lizzie goes on to talk about her encounter with Joe Holt who plays Leo Bennett, Hope and Iris's father. I asked him, because the rumor was they were getting a third season. And he said, when we were filming, we didn't even know we were getting a second season. Don't worry, I will grill Lizzie a little later on in this episode about how she even got to meet Joe Holt. Kim, however, actually asks the one question, the answer to which we all agree. However, it ends up opening up another door, thanks to me. Sorry, not sorry. Do you think by the end of this, this whole thing, we'll know... A, what caused it, and B, th- there's a cure. Ooh. Uh, no and no. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with. I'm on that. I, I second that. <laughs> and I don't want to know. Yeah, I think it's like yeah. the last scene of The Sopranos. That's how it's going out. You know, uh, <laughs> think about it, but we don't really know. By the way, I I feel the same way about not wanting to know and it not going to happen. The same way I feel about no flashbacks on The Walking Dead. <laughs> That's what I liked about it. Yeah, you've been very like adamant no about no flashbacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No yeah. pre no apocalypse flashbacks. Uh, I thought you wanted flashbacks. Yeah, I do. I do. I, I do. I, yeah, I, I, do. I, I, would, I would love to see Negan in the before time. Well, you're going to nah. get to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Steve, do you read the comics? I do. And uh, Okay, so and, you know. <laughs> I, I, I know, but I'm saying I still want to see it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we are. I can't th- wait to see Hillary th- Barton. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. What's the quote about no man is an island? Anyway, the interesting thing about this conversation is that because we filmed this a while ago and we only got the new table reads for the quote-unquote Here's Negan episodes of The Walking Dead Season 10C is that the flashback that they're showing us is not a pre-apocalypse flashback. So, sometimes we give you news. <laughs> and, and like, the you know, the anthology show that's coming, yeah. I'm really hoping that they jump around in time with that and we see early outbreak stories, not just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. 10, 12 years later. See, that, see I'm that, with you. I'm, I'm with, with you. The rule that, the unbroken rule, by the way, thus far has been on the main show. I'm okay with every other show, although <laughs> it seems like the Fear of the Walking Dead doesn't do that either. But, mm-hmm. but um, on the main show, there has not been, and I really want them to keep this. Now, what we kind of surmised I think it was like a our last our first part of episode 100 was like we we had surmised that maybe the Negan flashback or the you know the Negan lives flashback or was it Negan Liz right yeah, um it might not actually be a flashback it might be kind of like a, a Lori's ghost kind of thing mm. 
So I, I think it's like allowable. I think they might, it, it might be one of those things where he looks out in a certain direction and he sort of sees a play by play of a flashback, but it's in the setting because I don't want them to break that rule that 10 years and they haven't broken that rule. And I'm like, keep going, go strong, go hard, you know, don't, don't let up, you know, you can tell a good show within the confines of that rule. Well, you know, we see a little, well, I, okay. I suppose it could be a dream. We saw a little bit of Michonne's past. She had a little, yeah, uh, she did some flashback stuff. I think, yeah. I think that was a delusion, which is why I allowed it. That was okay. the closest that we got though, yeah. to well, some I, sort I of flashback. Like, no, no, no. We I like saw Lori and, and, and Shane. Yeah. They flashed back with them on the highway yeah. where they oh, were yeah. watching yeah. Uh, when Rick gets bombed. Yeah, but that's a pilot, right? <laughs> no, no, no. no or the first season, two, rather? It was two three or three. episodes in. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I think that's allowable. <laughs> I like the idea of flashbacks because I like to see where this character was and where yeah. they are now and how they've yes, changed exactly. so dramatically. Right. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. Me too. Not, Me too. And, and not to plug my books, but. <laughs> oh, um, plug coming. Shameless yeah. plug coming. <laughs> But when, you know, the episode of, you know, the same boat with Carol and Maggie and Paula, you know, like the, the reason why I ended up writing was I was like, how does a mother of four kids, a secretary turn into a killer? And, you know, like I wanted to know what was behind that. Mm-hmm. I'm all about the backstories. I love them. Yeah. Me too. Oh, I, I think, think that's why a lot lo- about what, what the character is that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How do you get there? Because it's right. like, what, you know, what would I devolve to something like that like how awful could i possibly become like i said or martha. how dead what's <laughs> yeah. that i said like yeah, we'd all be marthas it's that's yeah. that's how i'm convinced but i think i, I mean totally I, be a martha <laughs> if but, I, or in the camp i'm not you know, <laughs> one. i didn't have a terminus <laughs> i'm on like the barbecue fence. too much i'm on the I fence do. somewhere it's good stuff. Yeah, you're right i agree i'm on the oh fence somewhere God, as a walker guarding the <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fence of the, the sanctuary? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm on the walkers on the fence at the sanctuary. Oh, right, my God. Yeah, yeah. right next <laughs> to Simon. A place of yep. honor. Yeah. That's yeah by I'm the way, I'm not anti flashback, by the way. I'm not anti flashback. I'm just, it just in res- with respect to the mother show itself. Mm. Uh, that's kind of like why I liked it. I liked it because we didn't get into all that. We're like, but we saw, we saw are you Abraham now? and Eugene when they come together. Yeah. We that did was, get some of that. That was post apocalypse, though. That oh. was that. That was post apocalypse. And by the way, I thought I they'd broken their own rule, and I'm like, wait, we went back. I'm like, oh, that was post apocalypse. Oh. You're right. I'm, I was looking mm-hmm. at it entirely wrong way. I'm totally wrong. No, and and I recently had to come to grips with that too. And then and then even like the Lydia Alpha scenes, I was like, oh. Wait, that's a pre up. Oh no, that was just supposed to be. Yeah, but we, yeah. we we do see Michonne with uh, when her two uh, zombie escorts were <laughs> alive. Right, right. Yeah, so that mm-hmm. was kind of a flashback. So. Yeah, that I, that one I kind of I kind of regulate and give them a pass uh, only because it turns really dark. Yeah, the yeah. skyline yeah. is really in the, weird. In the same instance. It's when we yeah. learn about Andre. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, and so like. So again, not anti-flashback in general, just more to the show. Because that's what really drew me to the series in the first place. Is kind of like we didn't get we didn't get mucked up in all the past scenes. The, who we are, we were then. Who we are now. That is more fun for me. Like to muse on. Like oh, I don't want to know because I want to make things up. Like Simon the meter maid. Like we yeah. We, yeah. we we attributed him to like a meter maid. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I just I could just see it him like you know fondling his mustache as he walks along, just giving people parking tickets. Yeah. Being nice about. 
about it. Actually, yeah. But like kind of that like low level cop kind of thing. And then yeah. get a power trip, right? What I like best about this next observation is that it's something I had never considered before. It seems yeah. to, to me with the, the longevity of The Walking Dead and the installation of Gimple as their chief content officer, that they want the franchise to become another Star Trek or <clears throat> Star Wars, just continue indefinitely, inspiring new stories, inspiring new money. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Inspiring more doll- profits. Yeah. And I'm here for it. Take my money. Yeah. I haven't heard somebody, Ken, that's a really good framing of what, what, uh, what they want to do. Cause I hadn't really thought of it that way, like in the league of star Wars and star Trek, but now I'm sort of, I, I haven't, I don't have an answer. I don't have a response to that, but I, now I'm, my wheels are turning. Cause yeah. is oh, it like that? I've been thinking about it that way the whole time. Like this is a way to just keep it going. And every year or so we'll get a new movie or something you know, that there would always be something new because I mean, yeah, the ratings have dropped significantly, but they still have good normal ratings, not, you know, ratings that would get you canceled. I think that's why I haven't thought of it that way. You know, it's like there's a consolidation. It almost feels like, you know, the fans are kind of like family in this weird way. At this point, Kim actually turns to me and asks me what the next topic should be for the roundtable. I proceed to shit the bed and then Rachel picks up the slack. I had a pretty strong opinion about hope in the beginning. Dave knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I haven't really moved too far from center on this opinion, but um, I, I still think she's quite a little psychopath. Um, and I saw a lot of psychopathic tendencies uh, in oh, her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and I don't know, like I said, I, I still am holding on to that opinion. However, I see a little bit of a human inside to her when Iris is around. <laughs> right after she shoots Amelia, she takes planet Jupiter from her bracelet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she holds on to it all these years. Trophy. That yeah. is exactly, exactly yeah, that is what exactly I said. Right. Yeah. She took a trophy from her first kill and she's constantly fondling it and like yeah. reminiscing and <laughs> <laughs> reliving the moment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like she wishes she took a picture or something. Selfie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess when you put it in that respect, yeah, I've been like, what is with her? You know, but not not wanting to voice it even to myself inside my own head, like right. what is with her. But to me, she definitely came across as troubled. And I think I took the easy way out, which was the direction that the dri- the writers drove me in to think, oh, she's carrying around this guilt for having killed this woman. Um, you know, not knowing that it was Elton's mom, but it seems like (laughs) (laughs) I thought that too. Yeah. Well, now that I've gotten my shit together, I proceed to ask the following question about one of the most interesting characters on this show. Well, first of all, did you guys like Huck in a sense? I because did. it's a lot yeah. to swallow, too. Yes. Yeah. Even after times. we found out she killed people, I still liked her. Maybe She's espe- the only one on the show that killed people. Come on. Yeah, and yeah. maybe maybe especially so in a sense, like yeah. the complex nature of her. Mm-hmm. I she seemed far too simple. I mean, I liked her simple. <laughs> Rachel, I'm looking at you. Um <laughs> You know, when we meet her and she's just happy-go-lucky, she's like the the dog that just wants to go along for the walk and. <laughs> <laughs> 
close relationship with Felix. The first time that we had a question mark on her when she was like, yeah, I think I'm just going to go out and scout for about 48 two, hours. Two days. Um, two days. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'm I'll good. be back. Yeah. Wait you know? right here. Yeah. yeah. Like I was like waiting for her to say, I think I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and uh, it, and and Sunday too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was the whole thing. Like that didn't make any sense to me. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm thinking, all right, what's up with this? Where is she going? Who is she meeting? And I wasn't automatically thinking she was a spy, but I just, I don't know. The hair stood up a little bit. Right, right. I definitely thought it was shady, but I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around what it could be. Yes, exactly, exactly. Right. Well, the reason why I laughed so hard uh, when you were describing Huck as simple is because Rachel went, she wasn't even about to, she was like, oh, can you edit this out? I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this on the show, but why don't you tell everybody what, oh, what, gosh. why I'm laughing. About Annette? Yeah, from the first oh. episode, because that was what so, really. <laughs> okay, I think I can say this a little bit more confidently now, because I think, uh, well, we all know what what's really going on, but yeah, after we broke down um, our first episode, one of the comments I had about Anat Mahendra's performance is that it felt very kind of like over the top almost. Like, I know you can't see me right now, but I'm doing like motions <laughs> with my body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like she, she like, uh, you know, talked with her hands a lot and was yeah. adjusting her clothes a lot. And I just got this like... <sighs> Inauthentic. Yeah, like this disingenuine feeling from her. Now we know, it, like, I and I even said, like it felt like she was playing a part of, yeah. Tony, of Tony Danza was yeah, what yeah, we narrowed so it down yeah, to. Exactly. Felix. <laughs> right. Now, <laughs> now I almost feel like, right. <laughs> now I almost feel like um, that that performance was on purpose. Like we were meant to see her acting like someone else, becoming someone else, you know? So, yeah. you know, what I thought was, um, you know, I don't know, first day on set jitters, and it was probably her just developing this character. I mean, so much more more than I even realized. Right. right. Well, which we attributed to pilotitis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. They had, <laughs> she hadn't quite nailed it down yet. And she was kind of experimenting right, right. and feeling her way through it sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that totally makes complete sense to me. Like maybe they didn't even, maybe they didn't even know until that episode that she was going to be a spy. Oh, she but, said that she didn't. Yeah I, yeah. I heard that, that she did not know when she took, took the part that mm-hmm. uh, right, at least initially that she was going to do that. So yeah. yeah. But, well, no, then, but I meant that, they didn't know. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Written. Well, uh, my, my topic comes with a question, though. Like, do you think that Huck is ultimately going to side with the angels on this one? Or do you think yes. she's... Yeah. Yeah. Are, are, so are you hashtag Team Huck? Uh, she's the most interesting character on the show for me so yes hashtag huck yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. there you go absolutely yeah i think she's gonna end up being a a hero Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. or die yeah and a martyr or die trying and a martyr or die trying yeah yeah Yeah. i i I think so i think that it's clear that she's got mommy issues Yeah. <laughs> mommy has issues with her um and just the yeah the grand gesture 
lecturing the not like she seemed uncomfortable in her own skin a lot when we saw her in the beginning it seemed like the most self-assured thing she did was to walk off for that 48 hours like she knew exactly what she was doing finally mm-hmm. um but well, the I, further I, the further she gets away from the campus colony you can see she's like relaxes because she's not acting in front of all these people playing this part as much yeah right because mm-hmm. yeah. they're out in the road they're out in the world they're they're on their own and and you see her kind of just be more natural uh like and, she and, had more control yeah right and it wasn't she had didn't have to keep up the appearance of this character she'd created you know of huck who was found in the raft with a broken arm and you know all that stuff <laughs> it's that, a long we, story yeah yeah it's a long story <laughs> that is all bs you know right yeah. is true, yep. so. it's funny how like huck on the surface is more is less and then yeah. huck under the surface like her movements and her speech less is more yeah. Yeah. so it, yeah. yeah as a as a character yeah how do you think she's going to respond when she finds out what happened at campus colony that's yeah that i think that might question. be yeah. the turning point because like you know how we have characters like that that you know she's trying to buy in she's trying to to please her mom and stuff like that um and and prove that she's worthy and i think she may have some idealism that goes along with their purpose and everyone that's involved with the crm they're all about the bigger picture it's the greater good it's the greater good the greater good i think she will go back (laughs) to when she rescued you know the civilians and led them off because i i do think that that is a true part of her story that she rescued people and they're they're the people in the woods steve actually brings up a good point here that i actually end up agreeing with somewhat I think one thing that this show really lacked and desperately needed was a sense of scale uh, because, and and on our podcast, uh, Diana and I joked about this all the time that what this show really needed was the Indiana Jones animated map moments where, (laughs) you know, I mean, think about it, you know, they're in Nebraska, that's where it starts. And then in a couple episodes, they get to the Mississippi River and then a couple more episodes happen and you don't really know where they are. And then suddenly they're 140. 40 miles outside of Syracuse. Oh, so you mean like geography? Like, right. And, and I, yeah. think we, we, I think it would have really helped. It would have helped me. And I think it would really help the audience if we would see where they are as they're making this journey yeah. across like those, the United States. There's movies know? from the 50s with the, the line right. going it's, across it, the map as they go westward. It, this the airplane. It, it, it's you know, and all that. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, this kind of ties into the other point that you guys made about you know they don't discover any survivors at all until the, the grifters and the interesting the stories that i would have found interesting about this as they're discovering who they are is discovering what is out there and you know it's not all crm or campus colony there's got to be other groups and what yes. weird things are they doing why don't we find a group that they worship the ghouls or you know where they eat the ghouls or or they what, eat you, know, you. yeah well you we know did that with terminus but i think i have an answer to that like now i'm like this is like the most duh thing that like I, I just figured it out now like between the BOG this never ending ending fire and campus colony I can easily see how you know, either, you know, humanity got weeded out by all these walkers coming in from different states to the BOG. Mm-hmm. But then also, like, camp, you know, between the flyers that dropped, I mean, had to have been dropped all over in and around the Omaha area about where to go for shelter, like both Omaha and Campus Colony. I think they rounded out those numbers in a sense. So, like, either they're all at Campus Colony, like 10,000 strong almost. 
or they, they ended up all ended up trampled and mangled on the way to the BOG. Wait a so, minute. What is the BOG? Oh, the Blaze of Glory. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh my God, I've totally missed something. Yeah, but, you know, again, <laughs> love this. But yeah, I, I, I definitely see your point. Uh, you know, it, it just it struck me as that apparently from once they, they got across the Mississippi River to New York, they encountered nothing because yeah. they didn't see it. They nothing at all. So, and, and they could have done that definitely better. And, and, but, and th- you know, think of the populations we're talking about of all these major cities, right? I mean, you're talking about millions and millions and millions. If we're to assume that 90% of the population has <laughs> gone over to the ghoul side, you're talking about millions and millions and millions of, of walkers of the empty yeah. between them and where they need to go. And yet, we what did we ever see other than the, the BOG, you know, three ghouls here, five ghouls there. I mean, it was little dribs and drabs, not these big hordes at all. And and I, I don't know. I just think the show, it, it really suffered from a lack of scale. I completely agree with you, Steve. And I think we see that. Um, in uh, you had mentioned it earlier uh, when we see Hope and Iris like shoving the walkers back instead of killing them like if they had traveled this far they they should be able to put down a walker by now (laughs) exactly Uh, to Rachel after a couple of minutes talking about the triceratops horn which you know I actually come in with a little bit of an interesting insight that I didn't think of before. The only thing I could say to run defense on that, maybe, is that, I mean, maybe it doesn't, they felt like it shouldn't matter as much as what's happening in the here and now. That's the only thing I could think of, though. Like, meaning, does it matter where we are in relation to where we're trying to go if we're trying to tell a story, like, or we're trying to weave a tale within this specific episode? We want people to focus on that more than, or the overall environment as we travel, rather than, you know, What's, what does it matter what state we're in? Because I think some people like think, you know, does it matter what state we're in at this point? Like they're all yeah. kind of a mishmash of vines and <laughs> and empties weaved into the tapestry, you know. So maybe that was what they were trying to express. Like it, the borders are kind of erased. It's just yeah, a remnant of the old. Yeah. Their skills should have adapted. Like yeah. if we don't know where they are geographically, we should see them uh, being better trained to put walkers down. I mean, their their physical ability to protect themselves should should be much more advanced i feel like rachel what are you doing anyway another opportunity for me to pivot when we first saw iris trying to take down a walker that to me was the most gratifying thing i saw in the walking dead universe when we first get onto the walking dead it seems like oh killing walkers is easy let's just walk over to them and just go pretty pop and then they're down right (laughs) yeah and but like in later years obviously like around the time that carl gets you know murked I liked the fact that they kind of made it seem like, oh, it can happen to anybody at any moment. You know, you let your guard down here. You think you got this there. You don't got this. And so in recent years, I think even like, you know, in in, in, in a sense, maybe Fear the Walking Dead, but like, okay, you know, the Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, and any episode thereafter, now you have the sense of like, oh, oh, maybe I should be on my guard. And then the Walking Dead World Beyond comes out with this episode. And the very start of the second episode is Iris trying to take down this walker. And I was like, yes, make it look hard. It is hard. And so that's, and I, when, as we go through the series, you have that implanted in your brain. And so like every episode thereafter, it it is a struggle. It is hard to try to figure it out. They know how to do it, but have they done it? They've done it on dummies, right? And, And all this stuff. 
but in the real world it's it's a whole different story and there's no there's no safe space let I mean just put it that way yeah. you know you, this is the real world and there's no safety net there's no I like that to be honest but to kind of go on the other end of that what I kind of what I kind of liked even more is how mentally like compared to even Huck and Felix who have it bad you know their past were bad and they stay with them right but like the kids for some reason you want to talk about mastery they figure this shit out really fast like they get beyond their traumas in such a way that they can climb over them really fast and and if you want to talk about you know twd impressive that to me is impressive where you get to see the full gamut of how they've suffered as children move into campus colony with that trauma let it affect them in ways of you know behavioral ways like where huck sorry hope acts out or iris doesn't doesn't embrace her art because it's frivolous and we need to live for the future and then you know oh i wasn't there for my mom when she died um that sort of thing but then you see the whole thing come full circle. And it's like, okay, they can resolve, not only resolve these, you know, traumatic childhood experiences really fast, they're able to kind of climb over it and become something different. And I thought that was TWD impressive, you know, rather than like the killing walkers thing and, and all that stuff <laughs> and, and taking apart sirens and <laughs> whatnot. That, yeah. That's pretty beautiful. Yeah. Really, when you when you put it that way, that's beautiful. However, I just wish, I, I agree that, it should be harder it should always it shouldn't always be easy to kill the zombies we should see some struggle what i just didn't like was their their method in that you know they were hitting it across the head with the blunt you know with the flat side of the spears <laughs> instead of that just didn't make sense to me yeah and to your Why point like that that scene where they were trying to take them down and that and that snare that yeah. snare of barbed wire that was mm-hmm. that was a little weird that was a little weird that that they chose that moment to kind of oh let's step back from being able to kill them yeah yeah, yeah. that was that was i did call that out at the time too yeah but i loved that idea that they had gotten ensnared in the barbed wire and they're just moving along i'm surprised one or more of them hadn't fallen before mm-hmm. um that they encountered our survivors that out of the way we move on to another subject with which we all agree walkers or rather empties it seems like with all of the shows this is the best part where they're actually reaching back into their brains to try and come up with a new presentation of a zombie that we haven't already seen yeah so that it doesn't become rote and boring for us yeah 100 i agree agree. my favorite so far on world beyond anyway was the 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 wasp walker oh yeah okay cool (laughs) was the bad when it opened its mouth and they're like what's that noise and oh that was that was pretty cool i was so excited watching that scene i'm like god all these years later and they still get me so excited yeah (laughs) yeah see that's the thing that's what keeps coming back where we love the magic of this that's where they get us and i I love that um yeah oh i thought of the mummy instantly after that scene like like, yeah yeah right i wonder if that's where they got it from yeah maybe and if they did that's totally fine like art should be re-envisioned and reused and recycled as long as it's different there's five different things about it yeah Uh, by the way that came straight from matt negretti's deepest fears by the way the the Mm -hmm. whole idea of holes in things that was yeah was a major thing i i liked that he embraced his fears and went with it in case you wanted to know it's trypophobia T-R-Y-P. So it's Lizzie's turn to actually bring up the next topic of conversation for the roundtable. And she happens to really put a finger on if the CRM is all about saving humanity, 
and it seems as though they are losing their humanity. Do all of them seem to know about the shadier things that the CRM or the CR do in the background? How does Dr. Abbott end up being a test subject? And maybe what was Dr. Abbott's feelings about test subjects? And did he even know? Is this secret research? Does even Leo know about this? Oh, Leo doesn't know. No, Leo has no Re- idea. Yeah, remember, she was lying to Leo right. about, you know, that Dr. <laughs> Abbott got a message in the, the place where you can't get any messages in about his yeah. sister <laughs> and he went home to Seattle. I, I right. thought that was a little weak. I'm like, really? That that Leo bought that explanation? Yeah. You know, when he has to send the, the encoded, you know, dot matrix printer messages <laughs> to yeah. his girls because he can't communicate, yet somehow the other guy did. I, I thought that was a little weird. But yeah, she's totally bought into CRM. She's totally uh, on the dark side there and is, you know, using him. You know, I thought it was, I thought it was a fun scene when when she's like no more lies between us and it's yeah. like you're lying to him right now <laughs> yeah. wasn't it wasn't it negan who said um nobody knows they're the bad guy yeah yeah and, and everybody's the I, hero in their own story yeah yeah everybody's yeah. the hero in their own story and i and i feel like that with crm specifically Lila. I mean, Lila, yeah, she might be buying into all of this because she truly believes in the greater good. The I use quote fingers, good. you can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it, do I believe she's evil? I don't, I'm not ready to go there yet. I think she's yeah. duped just like everybody else is. Sure. Just like Huck is. Yeah. Ah, Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> and once you realize you have to be totally on board, and not even sound like you are doubting you to preserve your life, to preserve mm. your freedom, your right. your pseudo freedom. It, it it has to be terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or even like if you're coming from that because I'm thinking even about Lila and how maybe she's coming from this position in earnest, meaning, oh, everything's great. Everything's fine. You know, so why would I be terrified? But it's yeah. only later on that you figure it out. And then that maybe there's something going on here or, oh, it was a sacrifice for the greater good, Sam, whatever, whatever happened to Sammy boy, like it <laughs> could have been anything, you know, and because we may be attributing to malice what could, that which could best be explained by stupidity. Yeah, like, that guy could have just died. In the lab. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And it looked like razor. he had a bite on his his chest yeah yeah he did look like he had a bite yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or in his stomach mm-hmm. the abdomen yeah. area or whatever yeah. but yeah maybe he was a dick you know like it could yeah. have been as simple <laughs> as that Oh, he tried to hit on Lila and yeah, yeah. You know, oh, I'm jealous of Leo. We don't know. I'm hoping that in the next season, for all that we haven't seen of the, the CRM, that we are going to see a lot. Like we're really going to get behind that curtain. Yeah. But, they haven't, the Iron they Curtain. They haven't shown us much. So well, The Iron Curtain. Consignments, anyone? Work camps? Anyway, I move on to talk about... Pivot! <laughs> if you had to pick a favorite character, which would it be? Oh. <sighs> I, I I think my answer is obvious. I got to go with Silas. Really? But you have reasons. You should tell I do. Why. Yeah. What are your my reasons? Son, my son's name is Silas. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a cheat code. Yeah. I, I relate to him the most, but the, my favorite is Huck for being the most interesting. Yeah. That would be my choice too. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I love the Australians. So Silas would be right up there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I would be Huck. I think Hal Cumston I would like <laughs> as, as a person. <laughs> I, 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 I don't I like know. Have you yeah. guys checked out some of this other stuff he's done? He is a really funny dude. I, I know that he's hilarious. funny. He's hilarious. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> totally different so character. Hal is not, I mean, Silas is clearly a character. You know, there's very <laughs> oh, yeah. little of Hal and Silas. It's, he's, he's very funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, if I'm being honest, and I am. <laughs> I have loved Elizabeth Ormond ever since um, Legends of the Fall. Yeah, I love that movie. And so I was super psyched that she was going to be on this show. But when I think about it, we just haven't seen enough of her. And I was super jazzed about Annette, you know, when, you know, finding out she was going to be on the show because she was so awesome in The Americans. And I love to, you know, follow actors that you enjoy their work, you know, and in the mm-hmm. characters that make and I'm looking at her top to bottom like at Kim and I even looked into this like is the overbite real or is that part of her character affectation <laughs> and it's actually her you know and with some people that would make them look terrible but instead like she's just beautiful she's got this natural <laughs> beauty about her but then we see Huck and she's like the epitome of a tomboy and um, I think because initially she comes across as so simplistic and one-dimensional that when it's revealed that she's actually a spy again um, that she becomes so much richer and that's why she ends up truly not just because I loved her in um, the Americans um, she's truly now my favorite character because now I want to know what her journey is going to be what what are her real pains that we you know and not just we're we're really split between whether or not her marine background was real or not. But what's her real pain? What what disappointment did she give her mother and others that her mother had to go to bat for her? Yeah. Yeah, right. <sighs> mm-hmm. The incident. That depth? So she, she, Huck is mine. I'll, I'll say this much. I... I was going to shoot from the hip, go with instinct and say Alton mm-hmm. uh, as a character just because of that, the, the last few episodes mostly. But I am a little bit caught between her, uh, him and um, and uh, Hope, I think a little bit. Because early on, I noticed a couple things that she did actor-wise that really impressed me. Um, subtle things that you wouldn't think were anything at all. Like the way she, she, when she was having her first talk with Iris about what happened in the past, there were like the way she had initially was going to go for the Jupiter bead under her neck, you know, at her necklace and then abstain from it. I just like that subtle move. There were things that like, as a character, I thought were genuine and authentic. And then just as the series progresses, you realize, you know, I had hated her at first, period. (laughs) I I did. I was just like, I don't like this. I don't, like I remember talking about Daryl that one season, season nine, like how much I hated him not copping on, you know, at the time. And then later yeah. on, I kind of sided with him. But it, case in point, hated Hope. And then later on throughout the series, I realized what she was going through. And then um, I find out that like I really, really like seeing this this underdog who treated herself like shit the entire time, you know, realizing that, OK, wow, I'm, I'm like the smartest person in the world. Who knew? And yeah. now, and now, like you get that foisted upon you, a person who's been hating on themselves since six years old, you know. And then, how do you deal with that? And so, I'm e- very eager to find out how this works out in the in real in real time. I'm surprised, Rachel, that you chose. I mean, I can understand why you chose Silas, but the way that you've gone on so much about Elton, I thought <laughs> might he might be your favorite. 
he, I mean, he's definitely up there. I'm, I, as of right now, I'm the most worried for Elton. Um, mm. I, I, Silas is still my favorite character. I mean, the name, obviously. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. But um, even more than that, I just really enjoy this character. Um, he's somebody, you know, everybody thinks they know everything about him. They look right. at him and they think they know what he's about, but they don't. Yeah. You yeah. know, he's so much more complicated and deeper than anybody even realizes. And I just, oh gosh, I think Hal Cumston just, just really plays this character so well you know he's this this gentle giant and i just love it <laughs> yeah i i like him also he's the underdog that mm-hmm. maybe it's the teacher in me because like he's i would be drawn to him you know to try and bring him out mm-hmm. um but he's definitely the underdog in this story and and that's what i find attractive i think uh the underdogs will surprise us the most yeah mm-hmm. which is why i went to hope on that one <laughs> yeah in a ways well who wants to give their rating first is this one is the best or one is the worst one is the best oh, so okay. you know one being awesome and five being no comment <laughs> uh i'll go first i i i want to give this one a four of course i immediately mess up the rating system because i'm thinking four out of five stars so in their terms i am thinking a two rather than a four i mean and i said i want to give this one a four uh, but <laughs> Are you going to? Um, I think I'm going to hold on that one. But I, I, I like the thing I liked about this the most is that I, I threw away what I was expected to see and then embraced what I what I ended up seeing. Um, there, obviously, there are some holes here that we can poke. But being a person who does suspend a lot of belief in yeah. order to kind of let the story in and let it take over, I I I I give them credit. To, for standing firm on on telling their own story so and which was beautiful in the way that they told it which is very unlike fear the walking dead and very unlike the walking dead you know focusing on the beauty of the apocalypse more than anything else and and then making that almost the theme you know behind all the scary crm stuff you know, yeah. which is a different kind of scary so i i'm gonna give it a four not so, perfect uh, by a mile yeah. all right, four, four out of stars. five stars yeah. for you okay yeah i have a hard time um gauging this this season because uh everything inside of me wanted to compare it to fear the walking dead season one which i mm. hated yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. if i'm comparing it i mean i'm gonna give it like a 10 out of 10 right <laughs> If I'm to judge this um, on its own, I, I'm going to shoot right down the middle and, and give it a three. I'm going to, I think there were a lot of things that could be better. Um, things that we, as viewers, I would have liked to see. Um, I think for a first season, it was what it should be. You know, we met these new characters. Uh, we learned about them. We have just enough. We have uh, questions answered by the end of the season. And they gave us new questions to ask leading into the next one. So I think they did a really good job with that. Yeah, solid C. <laughs> <laughs> Average. Yeah. Average. No. It's pretty maybe good. A, maybe a C plus. C plus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, right, well, go ahead, Kim. Okay. Uh, I'm going to borrow something from the Billboard music charts. I'm going to give it a three with a bullet because I expect it to be Ooh. better next season. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not bad. So like a C plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there we go. go. Two C pluses. Steve? Yeah. I, I hate to... <laughs> I, I, uh, I hate to bring out the rain to it's this perfect place here. Uh, I, I'm going with one, uh, one wow. star. Uh, and, and I thought maybe I, a two. I, we'd squeeze a two out of you on that. But yeah, all right. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe a one point five. If that one was with a bullet. 
and, and I think that my reasoning for it is, is, you know, you, you know, uh, Dave, you mentioned, you know, the willing suspension of disbelief. And uh, I am, uh, when I'm watching stuff, whether it's a movie, a show, whatever, I totally buy into the concept, whatever you're selling, I'm, I'm in. Reanimated corpses, cool. I'm good. <laughs> I, absolutely. Sign me up. But once you get past that, the one thing that just drives me absolutely crazy is when characters make decisions that when I'm watching going, why are you doing that? There's no way you would ever make that decision. And this show did that too much for me, you know, mm. that I just, I just, I couldn't get into it. And I'm like, you know, like, yeah, let's go to the high school. Sure. Okay. You know, whatever. I mean, it's just, there were so many moments in this season where they would do things that, that I, my, from, and again, I'm not the target audience, so I get it, but I'm just like, yeah, that, that's a dumb idea. I would do that. So it really took away from the enjoyment and, and don't get me wrong. A lot of the points that you guys made, I'm like, you know, I never really thought about like the beauty of the apocalypse, the way that you described it, Dave. And, and now that I thinking about rethinking, I'm like, yeah, they're, you're absolutely right. There's so many moments where they showed how the ghouls have kind of integrated into the world and become <laughs> part of it. And there is beauty in that, even though it's violence at the same time or potential violence, but it still wasn't enough for me. So yeah, I'm, I'm going with one, <laughs> one star. So we'll see what season two brings. Maybe it's going to ratchet it up now. Maybe now they've gotten to the CRM, you know, they're in New York and everything and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I would say uh, yeah, one star do not recommend. <laughs> Are you going back for the second season? Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I, <laughs> I figured. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say it was high praise to get Steve to even say that some of the things that we were talking about moved him a little bit. Now, you guys know us. We try to bring out all voices and opinions to try to basically tackle how we feel about them, what the values and the merits of them are. We do try to, in our own way, convince other people to see the other side of those arguments, even if they're not our own. We're not in the business of making fun of people or trying to dress people down, tell them that they're wrong or whatever, anything like that. So when Steve said some of our analysis moved him, it was really touching. Oh yeah, so you remember when I said that Lizzie had met Joe Holt, the actor that plays Leo Bennett? She actually goes into it a little bit more here. He was working on the set that I'm working on right now. Oh, okay. Oh. okay. So, and it, you know, I was setting up my classroom. Just to be 100% clear, Lizzie is an on-set educator. And um, it was the former accounting office and they had all the cast pictures on the wall and I'm looking at them I'm like where have I seen them before <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like oh my gosh it's Dr. Leo Bennett how bizarre is that so then I start scanning call sheets you know is he going to show up is he going to show up and thankfully I didn't have to wait very long mm. so um, uh, yeah so that's that's how I saw him and when we met he was getting microsound and I was like is that Dr. Leo Bennett and he looks at me like that sounds familiar but I can't place it <laughs> that's what it looked like because he you know I don't think he's a well-known actor so he's probably not used to getting recognized and you know being on a set he probably wasn't expecting to meet a fan you know mm, makes and, sense uh, yeah but you know I can attest to the fact that he was very congenial um, very warm and you know shared anecdotes not a lot you know, because the last thing I want to do is get in there and he's supposed to be getting, you know, into his character mind. So I don't, you know, I, I generally don't speak to anybody because of that. So I cut out a lot of the back and forth that we had about whether principal photography was completed for season two or not or post-production or what have you. And then Rachel actually brings up the fact that 
Well, we already confirmed it. Didn't uh, Alexa say in her cameo video that they were going to be filming soon? <laughs> yeah, actually, that's right. She that's did right. Say that. yeah, Rachel bought me a cameo from Alexa Mansour. Uh, <laughs> nice. Just showed that. Very yeah, cool. Really cool. What did she say? She says, "Merry Christmas." I'm a Jewish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> right. No, I thought it was. I looked beyond that. It was like, oh, beyond that. No, it was oh. very nice of her. It was very nice of Rachel to use that as a tool of manipulation. How did I was, you just, uh, I was just excited to hear her say Squawking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Use Cameo to get yourself a good uh, good bio, you know, plug for the show. Right. Then, I, then I started thinking, can we book more of these people and just have them say the name of our podcast? Can we I use that? I think you should. Yeah. It's can dicey. It's <laughs> dicey and expensive. Why not? We yeah. pay for it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how much does an Alexa Mansour uh, charge on Cameo? You know what? She's very, very reasonable. Is she? Okay. Very, very reasonable. A yeah. piece of candy? Reasonable. Not that reasonable. Not that reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so embarrassed for you, Lizzie. Oh, <laughs> get used to that feeling. <laughs> okay, so moment of truth. What does Lizzie rate The Walking Dead World Beyond's first season? I did forget to mention that I really, I, I found um, the scene with Elton and Percy where Elton is imagining Percy talking to him. Um, I just found it exceptional. I, I really thought so much of that. But, and that was one of the, one of the things that kind of would just not make me give it a zero. Um, but after this discussion, I feel illuminated by the other opinions, you know, because poor Kim has to deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, every week that we record and I'm just like oh my god Kim the wigs I you know and we were limiting it to two things we would limit it to two things and invariably one of mine would be the wigs <laughs> and I wouldn't discuss anything else you know one week I think it was I hate this show and then um, I love Huck those were my two things you know but after listening to you guys um, it revealed to me that there was some depth and you know I can be my own worst enemy with these things where I get stuck in a rut and I can only see the bad wigs I can't see what's happening underneath those horrible wigs and I miss out on some of the nuances and you know I'm the poorer for it and of course like Steve I'll be there season two <laughs> that's this right <laughs> this is what we do yeah this, I was right. thinking that you know, the whole time we're franchisers you we're, know we're, fa and we're fanatics yeah we are we totally are like you know if they asked me to host a, a panel with the girl that plays iris yes i would do it oh. you know oh, i would love don't be wrong i would love to sit down with all of these people and and talk to them and hear their process and and what their thoughts are and their care that, that would be fascinating i just don't think the product is all that great no the yeah it's it's yeah it's not that great I, and it could be better and i have hopes that it will be better i'm hoping that the second season really is on fire because I'm hoping that the shift is more on CRM and the inner workings of the CRM because mm -hmm. that's why we're all watching. We want to find out exactly what the CRM is all about. Right. Like how can these people be so determined and how can they remove the self um, from themselves so that, you know, when the soldiers get off the, the helicopters, they're like robots. You know, the guns come up in unison. Like they are all 
locked into one another. And it surprises me that they didn't just kill Silas. So the order must be take them alive. So why do they want them alive? You yeah. know, and you know, it, that too. yeah, it's like, there's definitely more depth here than I initially perceived by watching the season in many of the episodes I watched multiple times, you know, like I put myself through it and I wanted to be in love with it. You know, um, I think, you know, learning the lesson with the first season of fear, not knowing what to expect and then not getting what you wanted out of it, but sticking with it. You know, I am moving forward in faith and therefore I am giving it a three, not a three plus, oh. not a three minus, not a three hopeful or Interesting. whatever. A C, a C. A C. Yeah, because, you know, in the end, it was average. Yeah. Whoa, Dave. What what are you doing? It's not your show. Wait, wait. I wanted to dovetail on something that you said, though, which was yeah. like you were saying about Fear of the Walking Dead season one, um, expecting something and getting something differently. Yeah. I right. Knowing that, I actually dialed it back and said, look, whatever you think this is going to be, stop it now. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. first of all, they may have moved away from that point. So right. like, they may not be as much CRM as you would have liked. See, and if I go in thinking that, oh, well, I'm gonna, of course I'm going to be disappointed. So I said, you know what? Dial it back. Don't be like Fear of the Walking Dead. Just just treat it as its own thing, and then maybe you'll see things that you wouldn't have seen if you, you know, yeah, had you had those preloaded expectations. Right, right. So, yeah, that made it a little a lot easier for me, actually, to really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I did go in with the CRM expectations. I thought we would see more, but I did also go in with an open mind. And then when, well, then now I'm, it makes me feel like I didn't because... Rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> live stream <laughs> far more um far more ad- aggressive out in the world than they are and that's where we'll leave you folks thank you for joining us and i wanted to bring rachel on for some parting thoughts as we bring it on home what were your impressions from this whole podcast I, obviously like their podcasts are a lot different than ours i mean they're clearly a lot more critical mm-hmm. uh I, I i don't even know if that's the right word right um i think it's probably the nicest word i would use yeah <laughs> There were some moments it got pretty heated. I, I, there was a couple of times I thought, man, do they do they like the show? <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. I mean, a lot of the points they made were, you know, very valid. So yeah. it, I'm always open to hearing other people's opinions, even if I don't agree with it. I think we say that all the time, too. right? Yeah. yeah. But um, I especially was impressed with um, how it was structured, I guess. Like, we went into this kind of knowing how it was going to go. I thought that was different and kind of cool. So meaning like... Like how organized it was. I mean, the, yeah, we tried to be organized. <laughs> we went a little off the rails a few times, but that's our specialty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we That's our fault, actually. <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> we just totally infected the conversation. I, like, yeah. I just, that's why I kept that little thing at the end was like, wait, Dave, Dave, it's not your shit. Stop talking. Oh, God. <laughs> and I had to cut that out, by the way. I had to cut the edit. I had to edit that a little bit because I like literally retread over a point I made previously, too. Oh. Okay. You could even tell from what I left that last <laughs> bit knowing that you're gonna get a whole other story you know with not a lot of tie-ins not a lot of crossover like yeah you really have to kind of realize it's like you're you know what i wanted to bring this up but like it's like going out with someone new you know what i mean sure like it's important not to carry the baggage from the other relationships (laughs) because why would you want to treat the 
new thing just like the old thing. Yeah, but it's it's hard to leave that baggage behind, isn't it? Yeah, especially if the baggage is, <laughs> is the other person's sister. No, mm. <laughs> but still, I think it actually makes the point because however the same they may even look or maybe even act, they are a different person, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk yeah. about dating sisters. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. I mean, you have to go into it with uh, with an open mind. You know, yeah. try try not to make comparisons. Yeah. Try. <laughs> I mean, you you can't help it, right? Obviously, right. Especially when you know the sisters look so alike. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But you know, so keeping that in mind, like even like the fact that they look so alike, or they they they're in the same family, like mm-hmm. the fact that that exists, you know, means okay, do your best. You know, right? Do you do your best not to treat them as as the same person? Yeah. You know, just just because this one other one person abused you, that doesn't mean the other person will. I, I think I'm bringing my own baggage into this. <laughs> so, yeah, I found myself at first, at least, trying not to talk too much because mm-hmm. I I knew I actually knew what I was getting into. I know these two shows, I like them, but all, obviously acknowledging that in in many ways we're nothing like them. Yeah, I think because the seat of the seat of how we make our analysis isn't really just like as fanatics, but what I like to try doing is is go deep. Like in one sense, psychologically. So I'm not coming at it from from like a fan perspective. I'm coming at it from a human perspective. That's that's how I kind of really approached Squawking Dead to begin with. I I don't consider myself like a huge fan. Like I mean, I love the shows. I love watching them. But like I wanted to come from a, a perspective of just a human in the universe trying to actually take what we see and then like basically tell people why it's important in life. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's how I wanted to approach Squawking Dead, and then like because of that, and, and I don't know, I mentioned this on AMAs, but like at the time I was just kind of like, well, what's the point in fangirling over everything if I can't derive some sort of greater meaning? Like, there's just so many things <laughs> in life where we don't do that, yeah. where we just eat and eat and and binge and binge, and then we don't really take anything out of it. We just enjoy, but like, why not, you know, binge and binge and appreciate and get some meaning out of it? Like, I can easily like equate all-out war to what's going on nowadays you know what i mean yeah yeah (laughs) and like at some point somebody has to say i think we've had enough (laughs) you know and that's kind of my point you know what i mean so that which is kind of like why we're able to be less quote-unquote critical i think or we've we've been able to maintain i don't know i have a really hard time being critical of things that i that i like you know yeah yeah and i really enjoy these shows um i don't know i guess i i definitely spoke up about some criticisms that i had but I don't know. It was more like pet peeves, I feel like. I don't know. Or like personal opinions, I guess. But, and that's important too, right? I mean, it's important to kind of pick things apart. And I, I the Triceratops horn, I think we all dumped on, <laughs> we all dunked on that a little bit. A little bit. But it, yeah, and that's the other thing, right? Like, cause I try, like, obviously it's, it's worth mentioning, but like if something is so low hanging fruit, it's so easy to say Triceratops horn, fuck it. Like it's the <laughs> stupidest thing ever. Let's move on. It's like, you know, it's like kicking somebody while they're down. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Like, it's too easy. But other than that, no, I, I thought it was really rewarding. I think they needed us. And I think we also, in some sense, needed them. Mm-hmm. We need to know the full spectrum of the kinds of fans that, you know, watch these shows, too. A lot of people aren't going to cop on to the way we do things, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a very special show, <laughs> in, in my opinion, which means that the epi- like the fact that The Walking Dead is so niche to begin with, like a Walking Dead podcast, but then like the Walking Dead podcast that isn't so critical, that celebrates the love of of the craft yeah but then also drives greater meaning and is also like roughly around two hours or more to listen to <laughs> our it's, show, an, it's our, niche upon niche and niche our show is special in every sense of the word <laughs> every yeah well every short. sense <laughs> uh, do, do, 
dude, the short bus is coming. Anyway, so (laughs) (laughs) cut this out. (laughs) Just cut this out, Dave. (laughs) We know you hate kids. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Before I started doing this, I I didn't really listen to podcasts. I I mean, I still don't listen to a whole lot of them. Um, I don't don't really have a reason. I just never really did. Um, I didn't realize that podcasts were such a huge, like, thing, really. Um, so the fact that, you know, they wanted us to come on their show, I was like giddy. <laughs> like I was excited. <laughs> like, I'm like, really, really me? <laughs> well, a little old me. Yeah. yeah. So it felt really, really good. Um, and then to have the conversation with everybody there was even more rewarding. Honestly, uh, all the opinions, all the theories we talked about, things we want to see, what to expect for next season. It was, um, just a really good conversation, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I mean, like, I said, I mean, I've listened to them here and there. They do branch out a little bit and talk about other things outside the Walking Dead universe. Obviously, Brain's Gone Bad has, they've reviewed the Korean uh, zombie series Kingdom. So things like that, you know, Aim for the Head does the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it is, it is about the greater universe or the greater zombie horror sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But listen, you know me, my life is practically (laughs) devoted to this podcast. So I don't listen to them quite as much as I would love to. Mm -hmm. And I think they are great. I I love listening to these guys talk. And, you know, I I've been trying to make a little bit more of an effort lately to kind of listen to some of their uh, episodes as it relates to the Walking Dead universe. It is good to get out there to kind of, you know, meet with the minds. And I have to admit, like, and I did mention this in the, you know, throughout the narration was that it was really, really interesting. I did not expect them to be moved by some of the things I was saying. I did not at all. Like, like, like I was saying, we don't expect it. Like we just throw it out there. We, we give people food for thought. And then the fact that they were able to spit out immediately that like, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way. And it really is getting me to think a different way. That was so rewarding for me. Oh, and yeah. in high praise too, for people who are, you know, tend to be on the critical, you know, and tend to be more on the dunk culture <laughs> train, which is look <laughs> again, that's all to say that they're just a podcast because most people do. So, <laughs> so the fact that we choose to do otherwise is, is just, it's a, it's a hard and active choice, but mm-hmm. you know, we, that's, we do it. I'm not saying we're better than anybody. Yes, I am. Just a different approach. That's yeah, all. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it is, it is sometimes it is a hard choice. It is a hard choice. And other days, like the fact that we've been, we've been flexing this muscle for over three years means that, you know, it's, it's just a little easier, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to choose not to write this note, you know, or I'm going to choose not to go into this that hard. It's too yeah. easy. Other podcasts are going to do it for me. I, uh, you know, not interested. So it's, good to see that other people do and I need to be in the room with people that do that so that we can kind of come together and we can move forward with like a complete picture of how we all think how we all feel and then maybe we can influence each other like take for example Steve's uh, observation about geography like and you know Mm -hmm. it would be nice to know where we are Um, yeah I agreed yeah and then you know me coming back and saying you know "Mm, but is it important or maybe that's (laughs) maybe they were just trying to show that it wasn't that wasn't important you know and again I was shooting from the hip I was trying to run defense on but the whole reason for me doing that was because I hadn't really heard it before. And so it was kind of important for me to hear his opinion so that I can really, first of all, digest it, agree with it, and then even come back with something, well, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. And, you know, and maybe if I'm to say, you know, devil's advocate, yeah, maybe that's what they were trying to say is it's not that important. You Mm -hmm. know, it's old world borders, you know? That's true, too. I hadn't really thought about that, that, you know, they are trying to erase the state border lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the whole, like, what is the 
point. Like we're trying to cling on to the old world values or the old, I don't know. I don't know about values, but the old world ways, ways or standards, let's say. When meanwhile, it's yeah. up to you now to decide how you want to be, right? That's mm -hmm. kind of the point. Who you are, who you were doesn't matter. Who you are is clearly something completely different. <laughs> so so it's, yeah. it's one it's one blob called uh, West Mississippi and then East <laughs> Mississippi, because apparently the geography changes or the, the dangers change when you cross eastward. Yeah. Some of those things you just don't think about until the conversation's brought up. And then you're like, there you go. There's your answer. Yeah. With, with you know, and I have to say, like, you know, obviously, like, having Sharony on the show always and, and Nisa, smart, dedicated, loyal fans with particular points of view uh, in various degrees of fandom. But then, you know, having these guys, you know, seasoned people who know how to talk, uh, who are very organized and have really in-depth thoughts. Like, I found that when I was editing this episode, listening to Lizzie, I realized how much alike she and I are. And how... <laughs> First of all, how verbose that we are. She's definitely more well-spoken than I am. You know, more critical, but a bigger, th you know, big thinker, kind of like mm -hmm. me. You know, she'll, y you can tell she's been thinking about some things for a while, and then she's been meaning to get them out. And then she does form her thoughts, and she spits them out. It's like, I want to listen to every word. She's got my attention. Whereas Kim is just like, yeah, the, and The Walking Dead is great. And the, See, that's no. me. You, yeah, you're Lizzie, and I'm Kim. <laughs> she's, she's, gets to the point. She knows what she's talking about. Boom, ba doom ba doom ba doom and it's done. I cover more the like me and Kim cover more like the the surface, and you and Lizzie do you know dig down deep under under the bedrock. Oh, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm that's that's my comfort level. <laughs> <laughs> my comfort level is. Surface. I call them it. I call it call it like I see it. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> I'm is good with definitely that. a value. <laughs> Sometimes I don't. Well, in any case, thank you all for listening to this heavily edited. Uh, it's basically half the length. The link to the full podcast is in the description, as well as the links to both podcasts, Aim for the Head and Brains Gone Bad. I've been David Cameo. Thanks for joining us. And hey, if you want to rate this podcast, head, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Five stars and eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. And if you want to write more, give us some notes. Tell us what we did right. Tell us what we did wrong. It's always a great place to kind of let us know how you feel. Talk to us in the ratings. It, it's a great way to kind of boost our visibility. And also, if you want the unedited version of this outro... <laughs> <laughs> buy us a coffee it's uh just follow us at ko-fi.com slash squawking dead just following us means you know what's going on if you'd like to buy us a coffee it'll give you 30 days of access to our supporter backed content and if you subscribe to a coffee a month the party just keeps on moving and uh rach what a great episode it's great to hear your voice again by the way <laughs> yeah glad to be here all right and uh let's uh, all say goodbye everybody bye everybody bye everybody <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha